0: I love that commercial. That commercial is four years old. I'm walking down the street yesterday praying, Lord, okay, what do you want to say to River State Church? That's the commercial that comes to my mind. And I realize as we're talking about connecting with God, Gideon is going to be our example that we look at today. There's this reality that many of us, our whole life, have been on the winning team, the green team. And we have strove, we have been after that trophy, being number one, working and working and working, desiring to be at the top, wanting to be at the top, being told by the church and the world that at the top is where you need to be. You need to go for it and get the prize that's at the top. But we get there and we realize actually, I want the happy meal. I don't want this prize. This prize isn't nearly as good as that. I want the the happy meal. And the happy meal, of course, is God. God is the happy meal. And we, as winners, those of us that are winners, there's two groups in the room right now. There's winners and there's losers, okay? The winners have gotten to the top. They've achieved the top. They've won everything that they feel like they've been told to win in the church and in the world. And they realize, oh, wait a minute. I want the happy meal. The church has lied to me. The world has lied to me. I've been fooled. I've been duped. And so winners need to come to River State Church so they can connect with God in a real way. That's what we're about. Connecting winners with a reality that challenges their reality, that brings them to the happy meal, that creates in them a desire for the happy meal. Okay, now the rest of us are in the white team. We're the losers. We feel like we're losers. We have strived to win our whole life. And for whatever reason... We just don't feel worthy. We feel like the harder we work, the worse we get. We don't have the finances that we wish we had. We don't have the popularity that we strive for in high school or middle school. We're not as athletic as we wish we were. We're not, you know, we're not as successful in business as we wish we were. God doesn't love me god can 't possibly love me like he loves the winners. look at he 's allowing them to win he's making he 's making them god 's making them win and he 's making me lose and we believe we start to believe these lies about ourselves well and so if i 'm a loser that god doesn't love me God loves winners god doesn't love me i 'm a struggler, I fail, I have addiction issues, I have lust issues. I have this brokenness about who I am that I just can 't seem to shake so not only does God not love me but he he doesn't There's no way he would ever choose to use me. And we bring people to River City Church and we show them the happy meal and we tell them, no, no, no. God has created you in his image. His greatest desire is to connect with you so that he can restore you and he can use you to further his kingdom. Connecting people to God, I think, is the most important thing we can be doing as a church. Because if we think incorrectly about God, we will live differently and we will live in a wrong way. The desires of our heart won't be accurate. The story of Gideon is a story about a farmer that God chooses to lead his people out of slavery and into freedom. However, because Gideon has never, ever connected with God, he has no experience of God he has no understanding of God's love. He has no understanding of God's power. He has no understanding of what God can do in and through a person that he picks out and chooses. Regardless of who they are or where they are. The story takes place when Israel is being oppressed. This is in Judges 6. Israel is being oppressed by the Midianites. God gives them over to the Midianites because they were disloyal, they're disobedient, and they were worshiping other gods. And... And, and, and Gideon is a farmer and God chooses Gideon intentionally. Gideon is a loser. He is the loser of all losers. I'm going to show you this. And God picks him to show us that it has very little to do with who we are and what we've done for God to use us to win and for God to use us to bring his kingdom forward, to create in us a desire to love him and to be loved by him. So that's where we pick up. I'm going to skip around. I have two different kind of chunks of scripture. I'm going to use the first part today, these first two uh, verses. It starts in in chapter 6 in Judges, if you want to read the whole thing. I'm going to talk about Connect. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the second part of Gideon's story um, about how that demonstration shows us that we grow and we serve. I know, like you're wondering, like, I can't believe you thought that far in advance. Well, I haven't. I'm just hoping that that story fits. So, we'll just go with it. So, if I teach on something different next week or a different Bible stories, because the Gideon story really didn't fit. All right. So, I'm just saying, just being vulnerable like Jill. All right. So, mine wasn't quite as uncomfortable. Okay. So, this is chapter 6, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Remember, this is a farmer. Okay, loser, okay, in the eyes of everybody, okay? And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So the first thing that we see Gideon does when you when you're not connected to God, you question everything, everything. How does God address him? Mighty man of valor, Gideon. It's like he doesn't even hear it. He just disregards it. He doesn't even pay attention to it. That can't be me. Must, who are you talking to? That's not me. This is this big angel talking to him. Okay, he sees this angel that's talking to him, and he totally disregards it. All right, that's one of the things that happens when we don't connect with God. Okay, but then he complains. He talks about, but I got these two strikes. Not only am I gonna disregard that you sent an angel, that you've told me this, I'm this mighty man of valor and that you're with me, but I got these two strikes against me. I am, you know, I'm from this family that is jacked up. You know, I mean, I have, my bloodline is not pure. It's not very good, okay? So first of all, I'm from this clan that is the least in Manasseh, okay? That's just, you know, podunk. We're white trash. What are you doing here, you know? I mean, are you sure you picked me? So, so that's the first thing that happens. The second thing is he says, and in that family, I'm the youngest. I am the least. I'm the least in physical stature. So we know that this is like, you know, he's vertically challenged. He probably doesn't look good. You know, he's probably ugly, you know. I'm just saying, he probably is. He's saying, basically what he's saying is, God, look at me. Look at me. Are you sure? Do you want to, have you really seen me? Have you? Re- I'm a loser, God. Have you really seen who you've picked? Do you, do you, have you seen the family that you've chosen to do this through? I don't really think this could be you. Well, why would, I mean, it seems like, how could he miss this? Doesn't it? He sent an angel. He said these things to him. God says, I'm going to be with you and you shall strike them in. It's like a promise from God. The only way you would miss this is if you weren't connected to God. If you didn't know God, if you'd never experienced God before, and an angel came to you and said this, you'd be like, yeah, right, okay, whatever. I don't think you see who I am or, or, or know where I'm from or really know what you're doing. Because if you did, you'd have chosen a winner. You would have chosen a winner. But instead, God, you've chosen me. And so he has all of these issues with God because of his lack. He's never experienced God's divine presence. He cannot imagine or look beyond his own physical limitations, one of the things that happen, folks, when we don't connect people to God, their lives are, are oriented around what they see, what they can touch, what they believe is true in the visible world, as opposed to believing that it's the power of God in the unseen that is our limit, not who we are physically, not where we've come from. The importance of River City connecting people to the divine presence of God is tremendous. It's so important. Because if we don't, they will never believe who they really are. And they will never believe in what they can really be because they will allow the physical, the physical constraints that they've been brought up in or that they see around them to limit them in their experience. Okay, verse 36, we're going to skip down to. Some great stuff in there about what Gideon did. Like Gideon, I'm not gonna, don't show that yet. So I'll just give you a brief. Like what happens in this like in-between section is God says, okay, I want you to go um, cut down the Asher pole and on, and on the Baal's altar. I want you to kill these cows and do all this stuff, sacrifice. And it says, Gideon was afraid. And so he did it at night. What a loser. I mean, God's telling him these things. And he's like, I want you to do these things. I want you to cut down the asher pole, That's wood. I want you to use the wood to burn the, to burn the deal. And you can see Gideon like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to do it at night. That's what I'll do. I'll do everyone sleeping. I'll go do it at night. Come on, Gideon, grow a pear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's what you're thinking. It's like an angel's talking to you. And Can you edit the Ustream? Can we do that? That's on there forever, isn't it? Dang it. All right. So. That's what happens in the middle section. you got to go read it. It's a great story. Verse 36. Then Gideon said to God. This is like Gideon starts to barter with God, wanting God to prove that he's really God. After all this, he says, I want you to prove that you're really God. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand. As you have said, okay. So basically, Gideon's like, oh, I'm not sure, sure about all this, God. I don't think you picked the right person. I'm not sure that you really are God. And then the language that Gideon uses, he re- he's referring to God as Elohim, which is a very broad generalization of God. It's like higher power. It's like saying. I'm not sure about this higher power. He's calling God a higher power as opposed, as opposed to Yahweh, which is the God of Israel that rescues and saves Israel. And so even the language of Gideon is communicating, I really don't believe you are who you say you are. And to prove it, God, if you want me to do what you want me to do, then you got to prove it to me. I mean, that's pretty bold. Gideon's, you know, I'm not going to say it again. But, you know, that's it's getting pretty bold there, Gideon. Okay, and so... And it was so, is what scripture tells us. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl of water. Isn't it just like God to say, oh, I'll show you. I'll show you how real I am. I'm not gonna like dampen the fleece. I'm gonna fill it with so much water that you will be able to fill a bowl of water. That's how much dew had gathered in in the in, the fleece. Then Gideon said to God, God, thanks for doing that but let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just one more, just one more time. Just let me ask you one more thing. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. All right, I'm gonna keep it as fleece, keep it easy for you, God, okay? I'm gonna use the fleece again. And then he says, please let it be dry on the fleece only. He reverses it, he flips it. As if somehow it's like there's a trick involved or something like he didn't trust God. Even though God did it, he doesn't trust him still. Okay, let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground then, let there be dew. So totally reversed. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Gideon's test, there's two stages to it. He proposed a fleece to lie down and to make it wet. God did it. He proposed to God, try to manipulate God again and said, all right, this time I want you to make the ground wet, keep the fleece dry. All in an effort to develop and to build a trust with God. All in an effort to help himself really believe that God could use him. You see, without a connection with God, without having ever experienced God, there's no way that we can become and do the things that God's created us to become and to do. But God's demonstration of his genuineness, of his word, exceeds normal expectations. When the fleece is so wet, it's almost like God saying, Gideon, look. Look at me. Look at how what I can do. You need to trust me. I'm not going to just deliver on a small level. I'm going to deliver in a great way to you. And unlike God, though, Gideon is not true to his word. He backs up. It's like we start to see this thing in Gideon where he doesn't want to become who God's created him to be. He doesn't want to believe that God actually might be choosing him. He doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. It's, he's, he's trying to throw all these things forward in an effort to get out of what God wants for him. To get out of believing that he's more than a farmer. And so he tests God. He's trying all of these things, all of these things, testing God so that he doesn't have to do those things. Trying to manipulate God. Yeah, he's very apologetic. But he's still is telling God, you have to prove yourself to me again and again and again before I'm going to trust you. And I think, we never do that. We never do that. We didn't, I, don't, I don't do that. God, if you only heal my da-da-da-da, then I'll follow you. God, if you help me on this test, I'll go to church this Sunday. God, if you want me to pray for that person, then give me a sign. God, If you heal my mom, my child, my sibling, my brother, then I'll believe that healing's real, that you're real. God, if you fire Steve Adazio, I will follow you. I'm just saying. I think that's a prophetic word. We act this way for the same reason that Gideon does. We are just like Gideon, folks. We like, we can point at Gideon and say, how could he miss it? How could he miss it? How could he miss it? But when we look at our lives, we look at the way we live, we are just like Gideon. We say those things to God. It begins in high school when you drink too much. If you just let me get through this in the morning, I'll never drink again. And we begin this relationship with God of testing him and putting him through these tests. Because why would we do that? The only reason that we would do that to God, the only reason we would say those things to God is because we don't really believe who he is, who he says he is. We really don't believe what the Bible says about him. We really don't believe that we could be who he, who he says we are. Just like Gideon, we doubt who God really is. And the only reason we doubt who God really is is because we haven't connected with him. It's because we really don't know him. Not know him here, but it's because we haven't experienced his love. It's because we haven't experienced his power in our life. It's because we've tried to be winners our whole life and work real hard and do it on our own. Or because we don't want the responsibility that maybe God might use me. Maybe there's truth to this. Maybe God really does want me to change the world. That he could use me? Well, all of a sudden, everything changes then. But it begins with connecting people to God, with being connected to the divine presence of the living God. It's the only thing that will help us believe and understand who God really is so that we can become and believe who he thinks we really are. So Here's what's crazy about God is he does it. He like knows he's being manipulated and he allows himself and gives in to Gideon's claim. Like, what could that possibly mean? What what could that be teaching us? Oh, I need to keep doing this because it works. No, 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 no. These tests that God puts before Gideon are a demonstration of his lack of faith. They're not a model to us that we should be doing. Gideon did it, so I'm gonna do it. Dude, Gideon's a loser, remember? Gideon's a loser. We don't want to follow losers on what they do. Okay? Gideon tests God. We know we're not supposed to test God. So don't read that and think, well, I need to keep doing what Gideon did. No. That's a sign of his unbelief. It's a, it's a sign of his lack of trust. But yet God gives in and does it anyway. What do you think God's trying to show us and tell us there? That he's a lot more interested in rescuing his people than he is about our theology and how we think about Him. Theology is important. How we think about God is really important. But it's more important for us to understand how much he loves us how much he desires to rescue us, how much he wants to connect with us. This isn't a lesson in theology of how we're supposed to live and think about God in terms of Gideon. It's a lesson in theology of how we're supposed to look and think about God. He is desperate to rescue his people. He is desperate for Gideon to become who Gideon's created to be. He is desperate to show the world it's not through the efforts of man that I will rescue my people. It is only through the efforts it is only through the efforts of what the world would deem as losers. People who are broken, people who are down, people who the world feels like don't have value. Those are the people that I'll choose. People that know that they need me to do anything that I've asked them to do. That's what God's trying to show us through the story of Gideon. And so we see Gideon testing God, not really believing, but God showing up anyway to rescue, to rescue Israel. This is how we are folks all of us when we don't connect with god when we don't experience god's love we act like gideon and so we show up here every one of us this church is five years old have come to river city either as a winner or as a loser and if we've connected with god he's changed our heart we've begun to trust him our life changes that's what we're about that is central to who we are as a church I mean, if I said, if I asked people to raise their hands, hey, how many people in here had never really experienced God's love before they came and that they've experienced God's love now? I bet everyone would almost raise their hands. I bet everyone would raise their hands almost because you don't stay at River City Church because we're really slick and polished and the teaching's phenomenal every week. You stay at River City Church because God's at River City Church because when you show up, you connect with God and God does stuff in your heart and in your mind and in your life Whenever you avail yourself to him, that's central to who we are as a church. Gideon's problem and ours is that with his limited experience of God, with God, he and we cannot believe that God will fulfill what he's called us to in us and through us. That we are loved by God and that he can be trusted. Even though for many of us, Having come, to re- come from other places, other churches, or not from church at all. We've had God move in our life. We've had God show up in our life. But for whatever reason, because we haven't connected with him in a real way, we aren't living and acting the way that we are created to live and act. And so... So that, that slide? No, 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 don't show you it. Don't show you it. Because there's money on it. This slide has the money on it. It has like our budget on it. And so connect, serve, connect, grow, serve. There we go, that one. Connect is huge. And we put a lot of money into connecting people to God. And a lot of churches, you know, they almost feel like they have to apologize for the money they spend on their sanctuary. They almost need to apologize for the money they spend on their sound and their lights and all these other things. Not River City. We believe that this meeting is really, really, really important. We believe that if you're going to grow and you're going to serve, you have to connect with God in a real way. And like Andy was saying, to be the church that God's created us to be, obviously, we're not going to spend, you know, what we possibly could spend on these areas. But we believe that there's great value And connecting people with God. We don't apologize for the money that we spend on connecting people to God. Yes, we're going to grow people. Yes, we're going to serve people. But River City Church, what makes us unique is this dimension of who we are. And we connect people with God through this worship service. We connect people with God through community groups, through College Connect, through the life course. We connect people with God who are outside of the church or disillusioned with faith. We connect people with God through Hollybrook, through the street corner ministry, through the children's ministry, through youth and student ministries. We connect people to God. We connect people with God through impact and mentoring, through book studies, through core, through prayer ministry, through our, the music CDs that we have. You'd be, you'd be so shocked that the people who get RCC one and two, and they're like, gosh, this is the story of our church. This is amazing. But God, you know, and this how it ministers to them, how it connects them to God. And then River City Renewal that we talked about starting. This new 501c3, this not-for-profit, this new branch that we feel like we need to really connect the, the lost, you know, the, lead, the people that are being ignored by the church in District 9. All in an effort. Yes, it's missional. But it's, the purpose is to connect people to God. It's so important that we see the value in connecting people to God. All the ministry that we have trying to connect people to God so that they will grow into who they've been created to be and then get out there and do what God's created them to do. Okay, so here's, so it costs money. It costs money. It's like a million and some change. Well, it's a million and a lot of change. Share that next line. 1.342799. dollars is what our budget is for 2011. Our budget this year was roughly 1.2 million. And we're going to hit that, it looks like. And, uh, you know, God's grown River City Church. We're looking at getting more space in here. It's going to raise our rent. Some things happening. We're looking at growing this RCR stuff that's going on. Well, at the town hall meeting, we'll have a very clear breakdown that you can look at our budget and specifics of these numbers. But this is what our budget is for next year. It costs money to connect people to God. It costs money for River State Church to become who she's created to be, who God's created her to be. Worship, discipleship, children, students, and mission of how we've broken things up. 1.3 million, three, we'll say five, 1.35 million roughly. That's a ton of money. That's so much money, isn't it? In this economy, how how in the world are we going to raise that money? Well, I don't think we can. I don't think there's any way we can do this unless we're connected to God. God's got to show up in our life so that we can become who God's created us to be. You know, and if you struggle, as we talk about giving... If you struggle with giving to God, the reality is is that you probably haven't connected with him. If giving is something in your life that gives you the heebie-jeebies, you start to sweat, you start to feel guilty, you start to feel less than, you start to believe lies about yourself and how you don't measure up all of those things, then you probably aren't connecting with God in that area of your life. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need your money. God desires to use what he's given us so that you will trust him, so that you'll be drawn to connect with him. You know, the people who have the gift of giving, who love to give, are people that are connected to God, people that are experiencing his power, people who are experiencing his healing, people who are experiencing his reality in their life. And again, we tell people, don't give until God says it's ready ready to give. Because we know lots of people have wounds in their life with money. And so, again, we're going to have a time of ministry right now. We're going to invite you to come forward for ministry. Any of, the, any of the things that we said. But our heart, more than anything, as a church, is that this morning, you would connect with God. You would experience God's power in your life. You would experience God's love in your life. You would experience God. You would connect with God. And out of that, God will take care of His church. God will take care of your family. God will take care of your life. But it begins with connecting with God. Like Gideon, if we don't connect with God, we cannot trust God in any area of our life, especially our finances. So why don't we stand?